0: If you have your Bibles, why don't you open them to the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 6. If you have a Bible app, you can click on that, of course, and find Matthew chapter 6. The Gospel of Matthew calls the reader to, to become a follower of Jesus Christ, to follow Jesus as his disciple. Everybody say, follow me. Follow me. That, that's the message of the book of Matthew, and it, it really does lay out as a, as a guide for being a follower of Jesus. It's a, it's a discipleship manual. It really is. It tells us about the, the words and the works of Jesus and invites us to follow him in both of those, his works and his words. Now, I don't want to embarrass anybody. Everybody just smile. But somebody is playing lovely piano music on their phone, in their bag, over in the center area somewhere. It's fine, but right now we're all being serenaded by piano music somewhere. Oh, that's fine. But I don't want to embarrass you or make you shout at me. I just wanted you to know that we were enjoying lovely p- piano serenade <laughs> unless, you're b- unless suddenly something else happens. I mean, it's lovely. I'm glad it wasn't like ACDC or something. But <laughs> unless it was a really good lick. But anyway. So so the book of Matthew calls us to follow Jesus as his disciple. We do that as we look at the book of Matthew. We do that only because we have been brought into vital contact with the Holy Spirit. Right. The Holy Spirit enables us to live for and to live like Jesus. Apart from his enabling, we just don't do it. But but thank God that's the way that we do that. Now We've been in the book of Matthew for a little bit of time, and we've found ourselves now right in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. If your Bible has words of Christ in red, that's the first big section of red letters there. So open it up there, and you'll see a bunch of red, red words. That's Matthew putting together in this text of his first collection of the teachings of Jesus. And we've gone through chapter 5. We're into chapter 6. What we saw in chapter 5, the last section, was Jesus' teaching about righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. He's talking about how righteousness is fulfilled in him and how and he leads his followers into the, the righteous fulfillment, the, the full expression of righteousness in the law. The good news is in chapter 6, we're still going to talk about righteousness. You know, you did better than first service there, but uh, still eh, not too great. Okay, we're still talking about righteousness. I think we can go to the first clickeroo there. Uh, and chapter six is not going to is now going to lead us into the not just the nature of righteousness, but the practice of righteousness, the doing of righteousness. Now, see, in Jesus' day, his immediate audience, the Jewish the Jewish people, they religiously they celebrated they extolled three specific or major practices of righteousness three there were three big ones you needed to do in their in their their culture and that they were alms giving and prayer and fasting coincidentally jesus is going to say to his audience in chapter six when you give alms when you pray when you fast you and i might read that in hindsight and think oh jesus is just pulling out random things and maybe these are uniquely important well they very well may be uniquely important but what Jesus is doing is intentionally connecting his audience he is not even so much trying to isolate specific acts of righteousness so much as what we'll see him talking about is he is going to talk about the reason for righteousness he is going to say yes righteous deeds and behaviors are important but according to Jesus, motives matter. Why don't we all sing out loud together? Motives matter. Motives matter. Righteous acts are good, but our motivation matters. There is a reason for righteous behavior, righteous acts. Let's look at the role. And today, we're only going to read and study from one verse. I don't appreciate Leon making fun of me right there, but one verse. That's it. We're gonna, and so of course, it'll, of course, it'll much, it'll be much more brief than usual. I don't appreciate that either. But I, but Bill's giving God praise. Let's just go to the book. First words. Beware. No. Okay. Uh, chapter six, verse one. Beware of practicing your righteousness. It doesn't just say beware of practicing righteousness. That's, that, go ahead and do that. But beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So in Jesus, just this is the, this is the thesis statement for really the next 18 verses. This is the template, and the next 18 verses are an explanation, an expression, an exemplification of this this verse right here. So we're just going to look at this verse today to make sure that we get a feel for it so we understand where we're going and how significant it is. The truth is, it seems pretty straightforward, and it is, but in this one verse, Jesus lays out at least for us three principal truths about righteousness. Are you ready for them? Here we go. Number one, this verse says that righteousness is something you do. First service wasn't sure. It was, it was dead silent. <laughs> righteousness is something you do. Everybody say that out loud with me, will ya? Righteousness is something you do. Now, I know some of you are going to say, hey, wait a minute, Dad, but I know, I'm, and I'm going to answer it right now. Righteousness is something you do. Because of who you are. Righteousness is not something that you earn, acquire, achieve, accumulate, (laughs) gather. No, righteousness is something that has happened to you in Jesus Christ. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, the, the scriptures say that God imputes, he credits, he assigns to you. He graciously, generously, overwhelmingly gives you his righteousness. I'm looking for somebody who thought that was good news is what I'm looking for. Yeah, he, this is something that, is, that happens Paul wrote in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It's a great verse for us to see what happens. It's that righteousness is something that happens to me. Listen, God made him who knew no sin to be sin. Christ became sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Righteous, thank you, right, I mean, I'm not thank you, but yay for yay, okay? Uh, Righteousness is something that in Christ we have become. You have become righteousness. Whoa, you've become the very righteousness of God. Faith in Christ makes you counted, measured, evaluated, and covered by the very righteousness of God. Faith in Christ makes you counted and covered by the very righteousness of God. Ooh, let the gospel sink into your heart afresh today. Faith in Christ makes you counted and covered by the very righteousness of God. Righteousness has happened to you. But it doesn't stay quiet. doesn't remain at repose it cannot righteousness is practice it is alive it is alive it is the very life of god righteousness is not just some sort of ontological idea it's not just a theory it's a practice righteousness doesn't just sit it cannot it doesn't just sit there and look pretty it, that's ridiculous if righteousness doesn't do anything then it isn't worth anything it doesn't if its righteousness isn't doing anything then it's not any good to anybody righteousness does something it's alive it moves like faith with the scripture says faith without works is Dead. So you can, that's what James will say. You tell me you have faith, also in my faith by what I do. The same principle exists because righteousness and faith are related, because the Bible says essentially this: what we do by faith in love is actually credited to or looked at as righteousness. Righteousness is faith in love doing stuff. So righteousness is something you do. What's the first, that's clearly right there. Righteousness, it must be practiced. It doesn't just sit there. It's a do something thing. Number one, righteousness is something that you do. Secondly, the second principle laying out for us is this. Righteousness is something you do for God. Unto him. Jesus warns, do not practice righteousness to be noticed by men now right away right away we, we you might say if if you're a bible reader thinker you might say hey wait a minute i thought we just read in the last chapter 516 jesus said you are the light of the world you, therefore uh, let your you know let let your good works let your light shine before men so that they while they will see your so they will see your good works and glorify your father in heaven see so this isn't a this isn't a a prohibition against doing something it's a it's a it's an advice against why we do something jesus isn't not he's not contradicting himself saying no no don't let anybody see your good works (laughs) on the contrary if nobody sees your righteousness there's no light in this world you are the only hope without you this place is dark so be righteous and do righteous do it a lot do it a lot more light more light good (laughs) but jesus is addressing our motivation our reason motives matter now when we say motives matter i want you to go find your smile if you put it away already okay motives matter only you and god know your motives that means i don't know yours this is not anyone giving, being licensed to begin adjudicating the motives of other people. If only you and God know your motives, and I think I do, that means I think I'm God, and that always leads to trouble. Yeah. <laughs> the more I try to say, well, I think, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You say, well, I know, what I know why they were doing that. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. So, but, but, so while you, this is not a license for you to adjudicate others, this is a good opportunity for you to recognize that you can and should check your own. Now, now here's the deal. You can check your own motives. If Jesus says, "Don't do," work, we know we're supposed to do righteousness. We're no, we are not supposed to do them in order to be noticed by others. Well, how do I know whether whether my motives are right or wrong or whatever? A lot of people are just so. There's there, people live on one one of these two extremes most of the time. They either absolutely can't do anything righteous without taking a selfie in the process. Right. Or or they're so full of condemnation that they just beat themselves up if they do anything good and anybody happen to notice. Neither of those extremes are where we're going today. OK, so here's a good here's a few things just for a quick check here. If when as you live out righteousness, do you aim is your aim to be recognized? Do you as you are living out, obeying Christ, being a light, do you pause and just admire yourself imagine yourself being admired (laughs) now you laugh but i know we do it i know you bob you guys are on you second service trying to help me preach this thing hey dad you remember this don't don't answer (laughs) because nobody else did i guarantee nobody else knew this story but uh this is a great one we do things and we imagine ourselves being admired uh when i was a little kid one time I, I drew all over, in our house we call it the front room. And I, I don't know what you guys call it, like the living room, but that's the nice room. So growing up that was the front room. So I drew all over the walls in the front room. <laughs> I'm loving this. And you're thinking, oh, he must have been like three or four. Oh, no. Oh no, no, I did a lot of dumb things. And honestly, that is the reason why I think I'm I believe I'm I relatively have some smarts now because I've done so many dumb things <laughs> that you can't help but learn after a while. But I was I was well into elementary school. Yeah, and I thought and I am, and I was drawing on the walls and I imagined, here's what I'm trying to say, as I was doing it, I was imagining my parents coming into the room going, Oh my! This is really something. This is this is this is, re- is going to be remarkable. I mean, I, I I I rehearsed it. I imagined how impressed they would be, and uh, it turns out that uh, you were away, and, and uh, you and it, that just as you it just it was the day, and the Hanleys were coming over, and uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, his res- my dad's response was not exactly what I had imagined. <laughs> so, but again, that's not like, oh, I'm going to do something and I'm going to imagine people just being really impressed. If that's what you, you, you might be headed down the wrong track at that point. Do you compete for credit? Do you compete to get Recognition and credit for good things, making sure people, hey, make sure people know that you you are a part of that, or you had more part of that, or don't don't forget to talk about you know me. Do you ch- do you change the subject to you? <laughs> Just find your smile and keep it on. Someone they're talking about a good thing and other people they are doing, and you change the subject to you. You might want to be careful about that one. Okay. Do you feel resentment or envy or finding or find yourself criticizing others when they are recognized? Here's one, here's one. Here's one for the good church people. You know, you got to be in church long enough for some of these things for you to know what I mean. But here's one. Do you go out of your way to tell everyone not to tell anyone what righteous thing you've done? Right. Hey, don't tell anybody But <laughs> this. Hey, I don't want this just between you and me. Let me just, you know what I mean? If you're telling everybody <laughs> not to tell anyone, you've, you've, you've misjudged your aim. Your crosshairs are back at yourself. Listen, I, I just those, those are just a few examples, because if I'm, if I'm not careful, I will just lead you into this path of introspection and self-condemnation. And that is not the goal at all. Do not get all introspective, all navel gazy here. As a matter of fact, that won't get you. That is a dark rabbit hole you'll never get out of. There is a much easier way to correct this. Jesus says, "Do not practice righteous things. Your righteous, uh, do not practice your righteousness be- to be noticed by men. Do not practice to be noticed by men. In other words, here's the easy solution: Do practice righteousness to be noticed by God. That's easy." The, the way to correct this is just to totally reverse your focus and keep it there. You won't have to worry about whether or not, you know, you're doing this, to do that. If you live for the praise that comes from God, then you'll be free. You'll be free to live and to do and shine that light and just live for the praise that comes from God. Do these things to be noticed by Him. Does that make anybody feel uncomfortable? Well, I don't think I should. I don't want to live like that. I no. Well, Listen. Let me just, again, modify some misunderstandings there. We're not saying that you do righteous things in order to make God like you more. He already likes you plenty. (laughs) Word on the street is he loves you with love that cannot be overcome. Word on the street is there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So why do we do things to be noticed by him? Because he loves us. Because he loves me, I respond to him with acts of worship unto him for his notice and for his pleasure. I do acts of righteousness to be noticed by God, not because I'm afraid of displeasing him. But because I am eager. I am I anticipate his pleasure. I anticipate his loving happy response to my righteousness. This is a powerful powerful principle. I want to slow down right here and just kind of lean into it. This is a powerful principle. It will change your life. It will give you courage it will motivate you to be excellent it will infuse your life with purpose if you're struggling or confused or frustrated or in despair or searching for direction or some sort of points on a trying make you feel like your compass is broken and you're looking for this is it this is the point on your compass live for the praise from god Live for praise from God because you can't live for men's praise and God's praise at the same time. You cannot fear God and man. You want to be free from the fear of man, free from the fear of rejection and failure and all of that. Live for the praise of God. See, this principle frees me from treating people a certain way in order to be treated by them a certain way it prevents me in other words it prevents me from treating people as just a means to an end if i'm treating you or i'm responding you to to you to be noticed by you that means i am just using you for my own ends It also compels me then, doesn't just prevent me from treating people a certain way, it compels me to treat people, everyone, unto the Lord, regardless of how they have treated me, or how they haven't treated me yet, or how they might treat me, or how I'm worried they're going to treat me. I don't have to live or relate to them for their response, but for God's response. See, people-pleasing is loveless and faithless. Loveless and faithless. When I'm a people-pleaser, that means I, am, I'm, I'm, I may treat people. I might put on my little dancing hat and do whatever, accommodate them, and, and do whatever to, ho- to hopefully gain their approval and their applause. But none of that is out of love for them. It's a love for me. And it's not, and there's no faith in it. I'm not seeking to honor God or trust God or, or look to God for guidance, direction, provision, reward. There's no faith in it. All, there, all it is is idolatry. People pleasing is idolatry, and the idol is me. When I live to please people, I'm living with myself as the central idol. And this one principle sets me free. I, I separate myself from being a people pleaser, and I live to be a God pleaser. And in the process, oh, it, it's such good news. In the process, <laughs> living to be a God pleaser keeps me from being a trained monkey chameleon on one hand, you know the trained monkey, chameleon. That I just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna adjust. I'm just gonna accommodate. I'm gonna become whatever is most pleasing and applauding to whoever's in front of me. That just creates a, a an emptiness and a and a, a hollowness in my soul. But I'm not even a real person. I'm just a reflection of any expectation around me. Oh, it makes me weak. It keeps me from being a dancing monkey and looking, hoping for the applause or the approval of others. It also Here's the good news. Being a God pleaser also prevents me from being a jerk. (laughs) What? Well, yeah, because if I'm a people pleaser and you're just a means to an end, here's what happens. I either live and dance and clap and wear my Hong Kong hat. I'm either fozzy the bear hoping you're going to like me. Or if I don't see that you happen to meet my needs, I can be a jerk. I can, be, I can live life with a chip on my shoulder. I can simply say, oh, I don't need anybody. You know, people think, oh, I don't want to be a people pleaser, so I'm going to be a, 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 what they call a misanthrope. I'm going to be a people hater. Neither of those are righteous. Being weak is not righteousness. Being mean is not righteousness. But when I live to please God, then I can genuinely love people as unto the Lord, whether they like me or they don't whether they reject me or they don't, because I live for them because of how God feels towards them. And it also prevents me from ever from being harsh. It it keeps me gracious and kind and merciful. Listen, this passage liberates you from the perversion of people pleasing by enabling you, calling you to be a God pleaser. And when you are a God pleaser, you will, it makes you excellent. It makes you faithful. It makes you kind. It makes you sacrificial. It makes you enduring. It makes you invincible. God-pleasing is worship. And regardless of who notices, when I live for God's pleasure, regardless of who notices, this one thing is true. It's the third principle that we see in the text. Righteousness done for God will be rewarded by God. Oh, good. You believe that. I worry sometimes people go. Hmm? Righteousness done for God will be everybody say the underlying word, rewarded. Rewarded by God. Jesus teaches consistently that our Heavenly Father sees and rewards. We'll see it. He, he's, he's mentioned it about three times in Matthew, but if he's going to pick up the pace here now in chapter 6, we're going to hear a lot more about this idea that, you're, that heaven records and heaven rewards, that God is watching and is looking, to, looking eagerly to respond to your life with his reward. And it's, it becomes a motivation in our life. But Jesus contrasts living for man's praise, therefore their reward, Versus living for God's. And we'll we'll see this uh, as we continue in in verse 2 and 5 and 16. He says that people who do righteous things in order to be noticed by men, and then they receive that notice or that recognition from men. He says something like this. They have received their reward in full. If that sounds familiar, it's because it's a phrase that's 2,000 years old at least. It means exactly what it means when your receipt is paid. And the little red thing says paid in full. When you get that receipt, Doc, if if you give, I come see you at the clinic, and the thing says paid in full, that means I don't owe you anything. Jesus says that when you do your works before men to be praised by men, he doesn't owe you anything. No further need of payment necessary. Wow. He said, oh. If you live this life to be, you do righteous things in order to receive men's praise, you might, you may receive men's praise and credit. It'll probably leave a a, a very temporary and possibly bad taste in your mouth. But men's praise is all you're going to get. But on the other hand, you and I have the opportunity to live for something wonderful. We live for his reward at the judgment. Oh, everybody say judgment. I know every once in a while I've got to keep reminding you that that word judgment isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. Judgment keeps us in our lane, doing our best, excelling and anticipating the finish line. It keeps us happy, keeps us motivated, it keeps us honest, it keeps us true. All these things, especially when we recognize that judgment is God not poised at the finish line with a stick. But standing ready to reward. Here's, here's, here's what Paul will write to the church at, both at Rome and at Corinth. Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians 5. Verses nine through ten, Paul says this. Therefore, we have as our ambition. Somebody say ambition. ambition. This is your drive, your hope, your desire. This is this is what this is what moves you. Okay, we have as our ambition to be pleasing to Him. Whether he says I'm at home, or whether I'm home or away, he's, this is he's already said whether he's whether he's dead or alive. His whole life, I he Paul says I live to please Him. My ambition is to do things that are pleasing to God. Literally, Paul says, I live to do things that are pleasing to God. Not because I'm afraid he's going to get mad, but because I can't wait to see his face. Because I know he loves me. Here's what he says. We live to please God, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed or rewarded for his deeds done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Judgment remains throughout the Gospels, throughout the book of Acts, throughout all the epistles, a constant point on the compass of our lives, giving us focus and direction and motivation. We are not living temporary lives. Moments matter. The marathon Matters. Sacrifice matters. Giving matters. Prayer matters. Kindness matters. Faithfulness matters. Everything matters because it is done for the Lord, for His pleasure and His reward. We aren't people pleasing. We're God-pleasing. We aren't seeking men's praise, but God's. We seek to please him now because we're living for then. The reason for righteousness is the reward from God. And that is what it means to follow Jesus. this is such a simple passage of scripture that it will receive it into our the deepest part of our person it won't just set you free it'll set you on fire I mean it'll just ignite your life with a sense of freedom and simplicity and purpose that Christ has made you righteous therefore righteous is what you do it's what it's things that you do you live you speak you act out you live out the righteousness of God in your life and and you do so with freedom whether people see it or don't whether they take a camera or not whether there's selfie or a selfie or no selfie you're living for the reward from heaven. Therefore, every day you have fresh courage, you have fresh motivation, you have fresh passion, you have fresh joy. You're free to love people deeply, thoroughly, and genuinely. You're free to live without fear of rejection or failure because you have not been rejected. And you have already. this morning and you have not surrendered to Christ as your Lord, all it takes is faith. Faith usually expresses itself in in confession. The Bible calls it a confession, some sort of prayer, some sort of prayer that just says, Jesus, I need you to save me from my sin. Save me from my sin and be my Lord by by the power of your spirit help me to follow you. It's as faith simple as that. He hears you, he sees you, he knows you. All of us this morning could do themselves the favor of just pausing to say, Lord, help me to make sure that my compass is set on God pleasing. Just take a moment to let that alignment happen. As you do let's stand together and sing that chorus I love of our life be a sweet sound, a sweet fragrance, a sweet offering, expression of worship unto you. We live for your glory. We live huh, for your pleasure and your praise. Thank you for the joy and the freedom of it. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. If you have an amen, let somebody hear you say it. Alright friends, go be God-pleasers and start by being kind to someone on your way out the Grab your kids, be nice to them first.